I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Hello and welcome to the Fried Egg Podcast. My name is Garrett Morrison. I'm here today with Andy Johnson. How are we doing, Andy? Garrett, I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. A busy day today. Uh, just uh, interviewed Emilia Miliacho this morning uh, for another podcast that's going to come out before this one. So an exciting couple of weeks coming up. We've got the ANWA and the Chevron Championship on the LPGA Tour next week, and then the week after that is, of course, the Masters. You're going to be on the road traveling a little bit. We've got a Friday event coming up as well. Yeah, we got our first event. Uh, we are also uh, first-time credentialed at the Masters, so that's exciting. I'll be there. Amazing. Um, and, How did uh, that happen? Lots of years of rejection. Before <laughs> you, just, you just keep trying, and eventually they give in, I guess. Exactly. It's like, uh, you know... I think a lot of people can relate to that with uh, with various aspects of life, but yeah, if you if you say if you ask enough times, eventually they might say yes. You know, they can't say yes if you don't ask. I don't know if that's good advice or not, but with with the master's credential, I think probably it's a it's a solid bit of advice. Yeah, really excited about that, and uh, I can't wait to get down there and and cover cover one of them uh, from the ground and and. It'll be it'll be fun. I'll, I'm gonna write a lot. I've been writing some, getting warmed up. You know, I've been uh, getting ready with uh, getting the pen back out. You've been flexing the writing muscle quite a bit lately. Ch- check out the website. Andy has been up there with some some really good articles. One on green speeds recently, and you know the and one on the latest changes to Augusta National, which which we are going to talk about today. So at the Masters, we are going to have you there, credentialed. We're also going to have Brendan there. And will as well. There's going to be a little house. Is Cameron going to be there? Yeah, for a couple of days. So okay, he'll cool. be there just early in the week, and he's got a bunch of different things he's doing. But yeah, we'll be there. Uh, we'll be doing daily shotgun start podcasts, um, and then obviously we'll have the daily newsletters on the fried egg. You know, this is a you know free advertisement for our own company, but sign up for those if you if you haven't yet. You go to thefriedegg.com and we'll get those out daily during the week. And then there'll be a ton of stuff going on on social media. So I, uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm going to bring my camera out for the first couple round for the practice rounds, and we'll have some photo journals on on social on Instagram. And uh, I wish I could go to the Anwa, but it it coincides with the Charleston event. It's kind of a bummer, but hopefully, hopefully we go back next year and I can go to that next year because uh, that's that's I think one of the most fun days that Saturday. I I'm not I have to I'm not crazy about the format, but that Saturday is really great at uh, at Augusta National. Do you, do you wish there were more rounds at Augusta? Yeah, is that the basic take? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a cop out to not have more rounds at Augusta, but it's it's great that they have it, you know, and I think. If you think thought about this ten years ago, it seemed far fetched, and I think the Augusta's done a lot of things in the last you know decade that has taken them from way behind the times to on the forefront of the times in golf. You know, with with their expansion with the Asian Pacific Am, you know, being kind of the first one uh, of of many steps. But you know, I think 
I think in terms of of that tournament, it, it it's just a weird a weird kind of uh, schedule, and uh, it could be. You know, I think Meg Atkins was talking about writing something. I don't know if she'll write something. She might have written something by the time this podcast is out. But the break, the day break, is awful. It's like what, what, what type of tournament has a day break? So, the one thing that's cool about it, and you know, the general schedule, I agree, is a bit weird. But one thing that's cool about that Friday practice round is that the players who miss the cut on thursday get to go play augusta national that's because awesome. that would just be watching them at champions retreat and seeing some players miss the cut in one of those huge like you know 15 for two playoffs you know that that happen on uh, thursday at, at the anwa uh, and seeing players not get to go have that experience at augusta national at all would be pretty sad like that would that would get to the edge of like uh, i don't know if i want to watch that but the fact that they all get to go and have a great day at augusta national it, that's pretty cool and also i i want to i want to point out like somebody might come to one of our events and say this is a stupid format and that's fine. This is just my opinion of their. It's it's their tournament, so <laughs> not everybody's a fan of alt shot. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is <laughs> this is their tournament, so they get to choose. But I think it. I just. I don't know. I think it's you could do the practice round before too. Like, why don't you have the practice round before? Why don't you have practice round at champions? If you're going to do it the way you do it, have consecutive days of a tournament though. It doesn't make any sense to have a pause. It's it, yeah. It's unique. It's really silly, actually. Like you get out of your cadence of the tournaments, like you're almost feel you got. I can only imagine. I don't know if you asked uh, Amelia about this, but you know, uh, like getting out of the tournament mode, going back into practice round, getting back in. It's got to be weird. It's different. You you never do. Yeah, I didn't ask her that. I didn't want to put her in the position of having to say something negative about it because uh, clearly she's she's very grateful for the opportunity and is is not going to say anything uh, critical as, as she as she should, you know. You know, it's great. It's amazing they have this event. But just like anything, the first edition, the you know, to the 10th, there should be constant improvement with the event. And I think the format is one area where the event could be greatly improved. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, so let's get to the real subject, and that is the latest changes at Augusta National, which you have written about and which I think are worth discussing in a little more depth because they indicate a possible kind of new direction for the architecture at Augusta National. Um, And so they're really interesting in that sense. There are the ones that have been announced, and then there are some ones that haven't really been announced but that you discussed in the article. I think that it may have been breaking news. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, the ones that have been announced have been moving tees back at holes 11, 15, and 18, and then some larger changes at 11, the par 4 that begins Amen Corner, where uh, trees along the right side of the hole have been removed. There are a few trees that remain, but the hole has been widened quite a bit to that side, bringing it back a little bit to the hole that it was not necessarily in 1934, but more back to the hole that it was when like Tiger Woods was over there in 1997 
you know, playing that shot from the right side of the fairway from about 150 yards. I have that image of him on the right side of the fairway there where there were no trees. In recent years, that area would have been covered in trees. So 11 has been changed quite a bit. And then 15 is the other kind of big change where that hole has been lengthened. So maybe we should start off by talking about 11. What are some of your impressions, Andy, about the changes at that hole and how they're going to affect play strategically? Yeah. So, I mean, these are huge changes and I, it's not all the way back to what it was, but it's it's a lot closer. And I think one of the big changes is that off the tee, players won't be playing to the poor angle. You want to be up the right side on that hole. And in in past recent years, that side has been covered with trees. So there's going to be significantly less trees. They still have those like three trees there. But at least a, a side is open to where you feel like you can hit a shot. What happens when everybody plays left, which is what the hole's been forcing everybody to do, is you're at a place where you have to play defense. And that's why you've seen so many shots over the years end up short right over there in that chipping area. And it's, you know, you watch Jordan Spieth chip from there every year. I feel like that I just like have that etched in my brain. But it's mainly because from the position they are in, that's the smart shot is to, is to just kind of hit it over there because that taking it on from that spot is really, really a hard shot. So... Now with that right side opened, you're going to be able to see some players actually make an attempt at hitting it close to the hole. And what I think the interesting dynamic, and we'll see if the numbers bore this out, but I think you're going to see more birdies this year. And that's great. And people are going to say, oh, you're making it easier. But with more birdies, I'm, I'm anticipating there's going to be more balls that find the water because the thing that gets lost sometimes, I think you want golf courses to encourage aggressive play. If players that are in a spot where they don't think it's a it's a wise play to go at something, they are going to play conservative. They're very conservative, but you need to put them into opportunities for them to play aggressively and make mistakes. And that's one of the things that a lot of the rest of the course at Augusta does is that it forces you to play aggressive because you know how hard the two-putt is if you don't hit it close to a pin. And and on the 11th, it's become a hole where people are like, you know what, I'll take my chances trying to get up and down for four. And if I walk away with five, it's not a big deal. But if you give the players the opportunity to look and say, oh, I can make a three, you're probably going to also get a lot more sixes and sevens. And that, to me makes a much more interesting golf course. And it's really what makes Augusta, for the most part, so exciting. It's what makes 12 at Augusta such an iconic championship hole is that literally anything can happen there. A two is easily had. It's a wedge. Or a seven's easily had if you if you just hit a bad shot. And I, you know, I, I think everybody remembers when that happened. So um, one of the other subtle changes that I've heard, I haven't seen it, and that's why I kind of left out of the article a little bit. You know, I didn't, I, I wanted to kind of focus on stuff that you know was very easily discernible. But I've heard that the chipping area on the right is is a couple a foot to a couple feet lower, hmm. which makes those mounds, those amazing mounds on that right side of the green, which is a really cool feature, and you see it 
You see these greenside mounds at Pasta Tiempo, too. You see them at Jockey Club in Argentina. You see Mackenzie loved using these mounds. They, they He used them on eight at Augusta. You see them there. But at, on 11, if you bail right, if it's a little bit lower, those mounds become even more of a factor, and it makes it even harder to keep the ball from running into that water because you're coming from lower. So it's going to just incentivize people to not bail out this year, which I think is a really, really great change. And it's them understanding the identity of the golf course and how the 11th had turned into this hole that just, it was, it just didn't fit with the rest of the golf course. It was just hard. It was just one dimensional. It leaves like the reality is now seven is that hole where it, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in its current state. It's what 11 used to be. It's hit it here or else. Yeah, well, okay. So seven is uh, a par four pretty much straight away. And the trees are really close on both sides. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is just like hit it between the trees. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're between the trees, you're fine. The bunker, the, the green is surrounded by bunkers. Not necessarily any preference for one side of the fairway or the other. You just got to get it in the fairway and then you can have a nice approach in there, in there to the green. So, you know, going back to 11, I remember this interpretation from an article of yours a couple of years ago, but it seems like what the club did with that hole is what it did with a lot of different holes at the course. And that is to trade birdies and double bogeys. They wanted to make them harder. They wanted the scoring average to be higher. And I think that that's, a useful distinction between making something harder and making the scoring average higher. Just because the scoring average is higher doesn't necessarily mean it's more challenging. It just means that the the range of scores, sometimes the range of scores is really shrunk. And I think that the the scoring range, I'm not sure if the stats bear this out necessarily, but what it seems like they did was that they traded birdies and doubles for pars and bogeys and just, you know, more bogeys and and so the scoring average was higher but the hole became less dynamic. Yeah, and I think the thing that you see across other holes that they didn't narrow, you know, that they just lengthened, the lengthening kept that score distribution pretty consistent. Where, And when I say score distribution, I mean eagles, birdies, pars, bogeys, doubles, triples. If you just lengthen, it keeps, it retains that balance. But when you narrow and lengthen, what it does is it it just shrinks the the possible outcomes. And I think this is it. I think that the distinction that you hit on is everybody thinks, oh, we need to make the golf course harder. And I think the important thing is you you should want to make the golf course challenging. And a hole like eleven, where you have this preferred line up the right or bad line up the left. And if you don't get it on the preferred line, then you're in a spot where you can't really attack and in the in the spot you have to put it in is very undesirable. But if you play up the right and you have the opportunity to attack, that's more challenging. That's you know, that's more of a game of chess, right? Okay, I did this, but it I didn't get it to where I wanted. I didn't execute my shot. So I'm over here on the left. And now I have to figure out, I either have to take this water on now or I'm going to take it on on the next shot, you know, versus if I play up the right, I've got a really good shot. I've got helping contours with that hill and I can hit, I can feasibly hit a shot in here that goes close without taking on too much risk of the water. And just imagine you're a player in contention on the last day of the Masters. 
what kind of hole would you rather face? A hole where you can fairly easily be assured of either a par or a bogey, or a hole where you could make a birdie, but you might make a really big number and have a disaster that can eject you from the tournament. I think pretty much every time somebody would say, yeah, give me that hole where I might make a bogey, but I'm not necessarily going to do that much worse than that versus the hole where, you know, there's a real opportunity and you feel obligated to go for that opportunity. But if you, if you go for too much, then, then you might make that big number. You know, that's, that's a big part of what makes such a compelling tournament golf hole. And it's also something that is challenging right? Even if you don't make a big score, even if you birdie the hole, even if most of the field birdies the hole, if that possibility looms of a catastrophe, I think that makes the hole challenging. Yeah. And I think if you think about the entire golf course, especially if we just go down the back nine, you know, 10, a birdie's possible, a bogey's possible. It's, you know, you don't see a lot of doubles there, right? You have tons of tough hole. Two shot. There's a lot of two shot swing. There's potential for two shot swing. 11 had become this hole where it was mostly just pars and bogeys. There were very rarely birdies. So this, it was just this hole that was like kind of like a, the rare small distribution hole. Then you go to 12 where literally anything's possible. 13, you've got, you know, really possible ranges of three to six, you know, three to seven. 14 is a three to five hole, right? 15, you've got three to 13. You know, we've seen the same guys one year make a three, make a 13 in the next hole next year. But that one has a huge range. 16 has a huge range. And then 17 and 18 kind of like throttle down and back to that three to five range. Uh, on both of those holes where it's kind of hard to make a big mess. But 11 was the one that kind of stuck out as like, you kind of got lucky if you made a birdie. Mm-hmm. And it was the one hole that didn't really fit with the rest. And and now if you go down almost every hole there, it has that swing potential. Let's take a quick break here to talk about the sponsor for today's episode, Meridian. So for guys taking care of body hair down there, tends to be a bit of a taboo topic. But Meridian is helping to break that stigma with its cutting edge below the belt trimmer that can also be used anywhere on your body. This is a very high quality trimmer with a 6,000 RPM motor, a flexible ceramic blade, an anti-nick shaving guard, and adjustable guide combs. It's also waterproof, easy to clean, and cordless. You can save on your Meridian trimmer if you bundle it with accessories like replacement blades or a premium travel bag. Basically, Meridian is dedicated to helping you shave worry-free without nicks and cuts, even in the most sensitive areas. And I don't know about you, but avoiding nicks and cuts is my chief priority when it comes to this kind of body care. Meridian definitely has you covered on that front. So visit meridiangrooming.com to get your premium below-the-belt trimmer, and if you use the code FRIEDEGG, you will get a free pair of boxer briefs. These are really nice, sweat-wicking, odor-resistant briefs, and you can get them along with your trimmer at meridiangrooming.com with the code FRIEDEGG. All right, back to the episode. Now, I think that 13 has started to become one of those holes where the range of possibilities has been narrowed because, as you said, that hole has been literally physically narrowed. And, uh, and I think that that has taken some of the dynamism out of it. And so I wonder if if Augusta National kind of continues along this path of you know expanding short grass areas and making certain holes wider, I wonder if some reversal of course at 13 is possible. 
I mean, it's super easy to figure out what holes are the ones. Is like you just look for the ones with the new trees, and 13's one with the new trees. They look kind of 13, 17, seven. Yeah, they look, you know, they look out of place. I think this is one of the things everybody marvels at the presentation of, of Augusta National, but you go to 13 and those trees look just silly. There's dead trees in this really thick grove of trees over there. And, and it, it's just, you know, they're young and, and it just doesn't look right compared because the way they transition out of it too, it gets really wide in the layup area. And it's like, well, this, this wasn't supposed to be this way, but I think they might be taking on a couple of these a year. If I had to guess, you know, they, they did a few and, and this is, this is the way a lot of clubs go about making changes. And I think it's a smart way for them to go about making changes is like, don't do it radically and do it small over time. I think like, you know, if it wasn't the masters, like if it was just a regular tour event, just a few people would notice like, you know, that we're on the grounds like the week of, but this is a great positive change. And, and this coupled with the other really big change signals, kind of a philosophical shift, which is the other big change if you look at last year's aerial versus this year's, they, they have a course map aerial on their website. And if you go look at that and go on Google Earth, they don't match up right now. So you can see exactly this expanded short grass. And I think this is a huge, huge uh, development. It's, it's signaling the end of the rough era at, at Augusta National. Maybe not the end. Of, like the second cut isn't gone yet. <laughs> it's not all the way gone, but it's significantly reduced. And... What you're going to see is is fairway draped over the landforms out there. They have these big beautiful landforms. And and one of my one of my pet peeves about about course presentation is when you have these big beautiful landforms, get the short grass over all of it. You know, and that's what you're going to start to see um a, a few, you know, key ones that you'll see play out 2, 3, 9, 10. Uh obviously 11's got a lot of expanded short grass, but those holes have significant contour in the fairways where the hills kind of come in to play where you're hitting tee shots, where you're going to see balls bound down into less desirable places than they previously were getting to. So in the case of nine, uh, for example, this ball is going to get into a worse and worse angle over on the right side. We're talking about hole that swings left. If you can't hit that draw, you're going to be in a lot worse spot than you were before because that ball is going to bound right further into a worse angle to hit into that green with a severe false front. And I think one of the things that was underrated about the second cut that was actually helpful was that it kept the spin off your golf ball. And and how many times have we seen guys stand in the fairway and rip shots off the front of that green and watch it tumble down 50 yards? It's like one of my favorite shots to watch because of that, that potential situation's there. And now we're going to get more of that, but the guys are going to be coming from a worse angle and lower. So that spin's going to be even more pronounced. And they're going to have to spin it because they're coming over the bank a bunker from a bad angle into those front pins. So they're going to have to have some spin on it, but not too much spin because it'll be easy to rip it off the green from the from that fairway. So that's one big one. Two's another big one where you're going to see maybe some balls bound on the right side when you miss right. Instead of getting hung up in the rough, it could bound into the uh, pine trees there. Ten, it should bound into the pine straw on the right side there, another hole that you need to turn the ball right to left. And three should be actually pretty interesting 
because now every almost everybody hits driver there, and there's going to be a lot more short grass left. Where I think the ball, if you guys remember, where Bryson lost his ball a few years ago, and huh. he had to take that cart ride back. Remember that? I just remember Brett. I remember Brendan's <laughs> tweet. Delightful. He, he lost his ball <laughs> in the left rough. It was the fall. It was the fall Masters. I think. Oh, okay. And then he had to take the yeah. cart ride back by himself. By himself, and <laughs> okay, can't remember what song that Brendan put on. But uh, but yeah, there, that should be more fun to watch because balls are going to get in a little bit further below the green and a further left of guys that you know they've been just driving it up there and taking the chip up, which I I think is kind of a smart play. That wedge shot does not look fun at all. The wedge shot from the fairway. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really dicey because the the slope in the in the green is so strong with the movement of the land, and and the land there moves to the left, right? So when you're when you're left, you're you're well below, way below, and so that's kind of a theme with the short grass expansions. Look at the low sides of the hole, and where the short grass has been pushed out, where the second cut has been pushed back on the low sides of holes that's where you're going to see more balls running out. And that introduces a necessary dimension, I think, for 9 and 10 especially, but also it sounds like for 3, where if you're missing to the side where you're not supposed to miss, the hazard is now the land, which is how it should be. Because the, the big defense at Augusta National, aside from the greens, is the topography of the property. And there, it's it's working against you. It's just removing the the barriers, right? It's removing the things that stop balls from getting to worse places, which has been the short the the rough. It's not like menacing rough. It just stops the ball from rolling to where it might end up being, which ends up you know it gets to a worse and worse spot the more it rolls down the hill. Almost in every case at Augusta, because you're rolling to a worse angle. You know, a lot of the angle, a lot of the ideal lines are where you have to hug, hug a side of the fairway that also has a contour. If you think about 10, you need to hug the left side. Nine, you have to hug the left side. Three, the best way to play it if you're going for that green is to hug the right side. And now if you, the more you go left, the further you're going to send, it's going to send you left. You know, five, you have to hug the left side. What, that's the way... Augusta was designed is is there's ideal lines of charm right there these in if you're there then your next shot is significantly easier but to get there you have to hit a very good shot and sometimes you have to deal with a hazard to get there yeah and, it, and it's not just hazards that Augusta relies on to create those lines of charm mm-hmm. it's often land the land yeah as we're saying and that's that's part of what makes this golf course so great is that it uses its incredible endowment of land to create strategy. And that's what gets a little bit weakened when you start to put in this second cut. Because it's, it's really, as you indicated earlier, it's not a super punishing hazard in and of itself. Hitting out of it is not hugely difficult for, for these pros. I mean, you saw how the likes of Bryson dealt with the rough at winged foot, which is far more penal and but but what it does do is it is it slows the course down and it works against this idea that the land is actually the hazard at Augusta. And so it should be cool to see that come back in. Now, the changes that you've mentioned, a lot of them are fairly subtle. 
you know, they're not going to be as noticeable as the changes at 11. I'm sure the telecast is going to cover the changes at 11 quite thoroughly because it's so visible what happened there. But these short grass expansions might end up being even more telling of what could happen in the future at Augusta. They could they could end up being more important. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and another huge change they made was obviously the 15th at New Tee Box. I've heard that they reworked the the area and the landing area too to kind of recreate a hill. And and so, you know, what what it's going to lead to on 15, which I think is really exciting. I think this has become I don't think like architecturally for the everyday player this is a great golf hole, but for the professionals, it's a thrilling hole to watch because it really makes them do something they don't want to do which is they have to play aggressively on their second shot because there's trouble short and there's trouble long. There's nowhere really to bail. The bunker on the right of the green is like the only bail. And you don't and you don't want to lay up because the wedge shot is just as hellish. Exactly. You know, arguably more so because of the because of the spin factor. Yeah, so this has become a really great hole and I think it's just going to be enhanced with longer clubs in. And if you think about the 15th, I I've said this on the shotgun start a little bit, but like the 15th has become what 13, I think used to be. It's become Mm -hmm. the iconic go for it. Monumental decision hole at Augusta national because 13, it's just so short. And you know, they've, they've kind of gerrymandered the hole so much that it's like a three wood seven iron. Now it's if you hook it, you hook it. If you don't, you don't. And then you lay up. You know, but the fifteenth is the spot where you stand in the fairway and you have to hit the shot that you don't want to hit. Yeah, I mean the, the the one I agree with that. The one revision that I'd make is that it's not really a decision so much as a moment of execution where you you have to hit this shot, right? Usually, if if they're in the fairway, they're not deciding between laying up and going for it, unless they're sort of over to the left and behind those trees there and. You know, maybe they lay up because they don't want to hook it around and and risk all of that. But generally, if they're in the fairway, they are going for the green. But the rare sight here, I think, is that they have to hit a super solid mid iron. Basically, maybe it's become a short iron for some guys. I I don't exactly know what they're hitting in there, but I've seen some mid and long irons being hit there, and they have to hit that shot so well, right? They have to hit it right on the button. And for me, that's where the tension comes from. I think the thing, too, is that the best golfers, the best golfer you know, whether you know it or not, is extremely conservative. Like, the better the golfer, the more conservative they are. So what I mean by making a decision is it's more of a decision of, all right, well, I got to hit this shot. There's nowhere else I can aim and hopefully miss the shot right close like there's nowhere i can't aim here 40 feet right and 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 be i'm in between clubs i can't take the club this longer and and just shoot it over the green and shoot it to the back of the green that's the way really good players think a lot with when there's a hazard in front of the green oh i'll just hit it five yards long here you can't do that like this is the moment where they have to, like you said, execute, but they also have to make the mindful decision that they are hitting the golf shot. They have nowhere to bail. Yeah. They, they, I'm not going to, I mean, I guess 
if you're going to bail anywhere, it's out to the to the bunker on the right. But even that, I mean, like like you don't want to do that. Well, you could hit a tree and you could bounce back into the water. You know, there's all kind of, like there's no safe harbor on this hole, which I I think is it's like I said, I don't think this is a good golf hole for like the everyday player necessarily. Like if 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 you were looking at the golf holes at Augusta, it would be one of the weaker holes for like the everyday member play. But for professional golf, I find it really really compelling. Well, it is, and and you know, and I I don't know if I could make a great argument that it's that it's a good golf hole in in general. I mean, there's not that many ways to play it, and uh, you know, the pond in front of the green is just sort of like whatever. The green is ultra severe for its speed, but the fact of the matter is, when the Masters comes down to that point on Sunday, one of the most memorable shots in the round, without fail is that approach into 15. You remember it every year. Every year, everybody holds their breath as whoever is in the lead is getting ready to hit that shot. And you remember that shot from the winners, mm-hmm. Sergio Garcia. That like, was unbelievable. I remember unbelievable I, I let out, like, I'll never forget, I like let out a, vis- a, 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 a audible yelp. Like I yelped yeah, right. because of that, yeah. that shot. I was like, I, you know, it, it is uh it's such it's in what it should be even better longer because it's going to be longer irons mm-hmm. that's right yeah th- that's why i think that this is where lengthening actually does get me excited usually i'm not that stoked about news that you know a 520 yard hole has become a 540 yard hole but in this case yeah instead of hitting an eight iron or or, or whatever it's going to be a six iron or a five iron and that just ratchets up the tension even more because just hitting that kind, that club pure is a thing that pros can do that your normal player cannot do. And seeing them truly execute that shot is just such a pleasure. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the coolest shot pretty much on the entire course, maybe outside of uh, the tee shot at 12. And, and maybe it has surpassed that in terms of just sheer tension because of where it is in the round. But um, in any case, uh, that, that should be really fun to watch. Now, as for like looking forward into the next several years, if you were to choose where the club would go next in making some alterations to the course, where would you go? All right. So we, we talked about this in a, in a podcast, not, not long ago. Um, this was a question, right? Yeah. Did that make it into the podcast? Yeah, I think it did, but like I mean, okay, I, so maybe we don't need to go. I too would, I would just it. say, like, I think the the big decision is the bunker style, right? Yeah, is whether you go back to that Mackenzie style or you keep these, you know, kind of ice cream scoops that they have now. That I'm not a fan of. I think a lot of people like them, um, but I would say, like, I don't think the club wants to move away from the ice cream scoops. Uh, that's just my general sense of it would be stunning if they did because then they'd they'd change a bunch of other things along i mean if they went back to like dirtier bunker sand if they went away from the white and went to like a natural bunker sand because they have an old golf course that you know it, it would be truly unbelievable but that's probably not like what i would love to see is just the continued push in the direction of the seventh of hey let's look at the holes that we've altered that no longer fit really the rest of the character of the golf course. And it's really easy to single them out. You know, it's seven. 
it's um, 17 is super narrow now. Those two are really the ones that I think have been changed the most in terms of their corridor and their intention. Maybe five, but five is pretty pretty wide right now. They're just goofing around with where the where the T is. Good because it that those bunkers are reinstated, right? Those bunkers yeah. are are yeah. a heroic carry. And if you don't carry the bunkers, you want to be as close to those bunkers as possible, which is the effectively the road hole. Like that hole is the road hole. So imagine the ho- old course hotel being those bunkers. And that's the strategy of it is you want to be as close as possible to the old course hotel. And then it opens up the green. I mean, that green, if you have never been, there's a couple of greens out there. If you've never been, they're just, you see them and you're just like, holy shit. I can't believe this is a real green. And the fifth 14. green is one of those. It's The yeah. front is so big. Like 14, 14 gets a lot of recognition. Five doesn't get as much recognition for having a crazy green, but. It's nuts. I mean, the false front is huge. I mean, like the photo, you don't get photos with grounds crew out there. But the photo is if or if a player is on that bottom front, if somebody ever got a good shot of a player in, in good light with the shadow coming down with that with the player at, at the base of the front, it's just unbelievable how big it is. I mean, the six green also is, is a nuts green. Yeah. And and 17. We've talked about this off the microphone, but. 17 gets kind of short shrift by the telecast sometimes because the angles that you see of that hole don't really do it justice. I'd love to see it from that approach angle in front of the green, really showing kind of how cool that green site is because I think it just gets flattened a little bit in the way that they show it. The angle is usually behind. Yeah, it's high behind the green. You just don't see quite what that what they're facing when they hit that shot. I will say that, like, and this will be interesting. Like, CBS has been spectacular in terms of where their products come in the last year, and a lot of their improvement has been camera angles. Yes, it's become so much more enjoyable to watch golf on CBS. And will it carry over into the into the Masters? Hopefully, we see some of those really new camera angles 18 18 is another one that needs to <laughs> you, you think the shoot off the tee i think the bunkers on the left yeah yeah those are yeah i mean the story behind those are, are they they didn't want it they didn't want those to get built ever ever are, uh, what's the, i can't remember the recall the exact story but cliff roberts like made somebody come put i think that was uh Cobb's first work there was putting those in Nobody wanted to put them in there. The bunkers on the left are so silly there. It, it goes against the entire ethos of the golf course. You have to you have to either lay up short of them or hit like a, a, a slice. Or now people can just hit it over them. Well, which is what I remember. They, they, they have moved those bunkers and maybe added one in, uh, you know, in the 21st century. But I, I remember when when Tiger was out there, he was hitting it over the bunker there. He was just blasting it way over and then and taking what he got on the other side. Yeah, I mean clearly the uh that that hole needs needs a look. But um in any case, uh exciting things uh you know Augusta is always going to move a little bit slowly on these fronts. It's not a trend following place, it is a trend setting place. And so it's encouraging that some short grass expansions are happening and maybe then the influence of Augusta will start to rub off on other courses as well. But uh, interesting storyline to track there. 
This episode of the Fried Egg Podcast was edited by Meg Atkins. All right, so we have an exciting week coming up here. We have the final round of the ANWA tomorrow, and of course, the Chevron Championship this weekend. Major championship season has officially started. And then, of course, we're rolling into Masters Week, and we've got a lot planned for the Masters at the Fried Egg. We should be coming out with a lot of written material on our website. We'll have at least two editions of the Fried Egg podcast and daily installments of the Shotgun Start with Brendan and Andy. Lots of stuff to follow along with. And to keep up to date on it, I would recommend following our social media accounts. So we are The Fried Egg on Twitter with underscores between each word. And we are Fried Egg Golf on Instagram, again with underscores between each word. So see you next week. And thanks for listening.